Hello, this is Angelica. Welcome once again to my podcast, Discover the Hidden Potential of Your Mind. In today's episode, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by my good friend, Debbie DeWitz from the Heart and Soul Academy. Debbie is a dear friend and an amazing healer and fellow coach. Thank you, Angelica, for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. And Debbie is actually the perfect guest for this podcast because she's a master at exploring and using the hidden potential of our mind. And she's also the author of an absolutely fabulous book called The Messenger Within. It's a powerful and result-oriented book. It's rich with countless tools on how to create a better life. And she describes her techniques in great detail in that book and with clear examples. So all her resources can be applied effortlessly. I really recommend this book. So Debbie, I love how you finish the last chapter of your book saying, this life is yours. It is just waiting for you. You alone have the power to choose how you want to experience it. Ah, Thank you, Angelica, for saying so. Yeah, I'm very passionate about individuals living an empowered life. Because when we are living empowered lives, we are living from a place of personal freedom, from a place of creativity and problem solving, from a place of cooperation and sustainability. We begin to sense greater synchronicity and flow that is naturally happening in our lives. We are inspired to live and choose a life that we want to experience. When we are empowered, we rise above a limited perspective and we see the value of not only ourselves with the gifts and the talents and the skills that we have to offer the world, but we also recognize and respect the gifts, the talents, and the skills that others have to offer the world. And when this happens, everyone benefits. Our families benefit, our communities benefit, and society benefits. We all benefit because we are aware that compassion, cooperation, and respect for each other allows us to contribute more fully in creating the world that we want to live in. We're making a positive difference in the world with our choices and our actions. I wonder, Debbie, could you paint a picture for us how that looks and feels when we're living an empowered life? Sure. Imagine waking up in the morning feeling inspired and excited to begin your day. Imagine going about your day as all your needs are being met and you're living your life's passion. Imagine then when you come upon a challenge or a perceived problem in daily life, that you are confident that you have the ability and the skills within, knowing how to make shifts that can easily resolve the root of the cause of the challenge or problem, then taking the next step towards achieving your goal. I love it. We are really powerful co-creators of our reality, aren't we? Just like the secret talked about. So from that empowered place, you describe we can manifest the reality we really want to experience, right? Yeah, and this doesn't happen overnight. Though by learning how to empower ourselves, we begin to understand more clearly that this life is ours, and it is just waiting for us to choose how we want to experience it. 
Yeah. And your book is all about self-empowerment. I love that. <laughs> At the beginning of chapter 16, you say, and I couldn't agree with this more, people don't need to be saved or rescued. People need to be aware of their power and how to use it. I feel we have a very um, similar philosophy in regards to seeing other people as whole, complete, resourceful. And you and I as coaches are just guides and we offer tools. But the healing really happens inside of the person and because of the person. Everybody's their own healer. Yeah, thankfully today we're living in a day and age where more and more of us are waking up to that realization and are learning to take responsibility for our own healing. We recognize that we don't need to be saved or rescued, as this disempowers us. We don't want to hand our personal power over to someone else who supposedly has all the answers. We know that we'd rather have a deeper understanding of how things work and a choice in the direction of how our healing will unfold. To speed our healing along, we know we'd rather work cooperatively with someone who not only has the knowledge to help us, but also respects and acknowledges our inner wisdom, who has the skills to facilitate the changes we need to make that brings about our healing. And it was Albert Zent Georgi who won the 1937 Nobel Laureate in Medicine. And he said that in every culture and in every medical tradition before ours, healing was accomplished by moving energy. That's very interesting. Sounds like we have taken a bit of a step back then with our model of medicine that tries to fix the physical symptoms and pretty much largely ignores the flow of energy. Yes, in, in a way, yes. And it's interesting to note that uh, it was Deepak Chopra, who's a prominent advocate doctor for alternative medicine. Well, he states that we only have an energetic blueprint for health, that there is no blueprint for disease. So with a deeper understanding today of what healing means, We've learned that it is our own traumas, our emotional wounds, and unhelpful beliefs stored in our subconscious minds that block our life force energy from flowing freely through our bodies. And when we resolve these blockages, these interference energy patterns, then we begin restoring our natural blueprint for health. And as you said, when we see others as whole, complete, and resourceful, we know that the healing takes place within the individual, and we're just guides who offer processes to facilitate that change. Yes, and there's so much in your book. Um, we could fill many podcast episodes talking about different topics, and we might very well record more than one episode. But today in this podcast, I would love to talk about what is known as reframing, and how very useful that's for us when we need to change our perspective. Because reframing is basically a way to lift ourselves above the situation and look at something from the bird's eye view, from, from another angle. We all know that expression, when life hands you lemons. <laughs> yes, you make lemonade, <laughs> which basically means for our purposes here, that we may not always have control over situation in our life experiences, 
but we do have choices in how we respond to situations and how we want to feel with respect to the situation. So why not make the best of it? So let's talk about some examples on how to do that. You have uh, described different situations in your book. Um, do you want to share some? Okay, uh, sure. So we know that we don't have control over others. They're their own individuals with their own ways of thinking and behaving, with their own agendas that have nothing to do with us. Right. But so often we're focused on wanting the other person to change, right? We can get really stuck in what annoying thing they do that bothers us. <laughs> True. So let's say that he walks through the kitchen and opens cupboards and drawers, but doesn't close them when he leaves. If we take a moment to step back and look at life's big picture while letting our understanding, acceptance, and compassion for others come forward, we can see that leaving the cupboard doors and drawers open isn't really that big of a deal. There are far worse things to suffer through, right? Yes. So what we want to do is look for ways that help us see the bigger picture in life and feel better about the situation at hand, such as... There are so many wonderful things to love about this man that his little quirks put a smile on my face. Or, I'm content and easily accept that he leaves doors open because I share my life with someone I love. <laughs> I like that reframe. I feel that phrase, his or it could be her little quirks put a smile on my face, is very useful for lots of different situations with significant others or family members, just in general. True, because if we think back to a time earlier in the relationship, it probably did put a smile on our face long before those little quirks ever became an irritant. Yes, probably did. So what's uh, a second example from your book? Um, let's see. She insists on having houseplants, but they all look half dead. Again, we want to look for ways to be supportive and create a win-win environment while feeling at ease with half-dead houseplants, <laughs> such as, it's easy for me to support her joy of houseplants, and I'll even help water them. Or another perception could be, I willingly support her endeavors as she discovers her strengths and weaknesses. I have patience as she learns what works for her. Or even, I love and appreciate my wife as she explores her green thumb, and I trust that she will discover her talents. Wow, we have so many different choices, right? Instead of getting all annoyed about the state of the plants, we could help her, we could simply have patience, we could trust. Very nice. Do you have another one? Um, yes. So another popular example is the traffic along your work route stresses you out. Oh, yeah, I believe that's a typical stress factor, at least when you live close to a big city like I do. There yeah. always to be traffic. Exactly. And so the idea here is that you want to look for ways that support you having a better experience for your commute time instead of getting stressed or having your buttons pushed or getting on your nerves. So you ask yourself, what would you like to have instead? Well, how about... I enjoy my drive as I use my commute time to transition from work mode to home life mode. Or I use my commute time listening to audiobooks or podcasts that are of interest to me and capture my attention. 
the reframing could also look like, this is my time to refocus my attention from earning a living to planning and cultivating other interests in my life. Very nice. I like that. One of my buttons that used to get pushed often was shoppers in the grocery store who'd leave their carts in the middle of the aisle, blocking the path and slowing down my progress. Okay. So how can you reframe your response so that you are in peace around people who are perhaps oblivious or they're inconsiderate uh, or we might even say that they're rude? <laughs> yes. Well, how about... I am content and filled with peace, even when others are rude. Or, I accept others are not always thoughtful, and I am calm and at ease with that. And of course, I confess, sometimes I simply just acknowledged myself that it's not my monkeys, not my circus, and just let it go with that. Nice one. Not my monkeys, not my circus can be applied in lots of situations. So, um, <laughs> what other examples do you have for us? Oh, how about your neighbors have their music at a respectful volume, but it annoys you no end because it's not your style? How do you find peace without resorting to wearing noise-blocking headphones? Well, how about I easily tune my neighbors out and find peace with my surroundings? Or perhaps... I enjoy hearing others when they're happy and content, and I'm content with the sounds of daily life. Yeah, what we perceive as noise is interesting. I remember one client I had who used to live in the basement of a house, and her landlady was a single mom with, I think, three kids, and those were young children. And this client would get so upset about the kids running around and basically just being normal, lively children. And if I remember right, we had to use a belief change. We had to do a reframing to, I find joy in the happy sounds of children or something like that. And that really helped her shift her experience. I believe you also have an example in your book about somebody's voice. Yeah, it's something along the lines of your coworker or someone you know has one of those voices that just gets on your nerves. Now, you can't do anything about your coworker's voice. So how do you shift your reaction so that it doesn't get on your nerves? How about each voice is a unique expression of another person and I delight in my coworker's individuality? Mm -hmm. Or... How, how do you want to feel instead of being annoyed with their voice? I am calm and filled with peace even when, and name that other person, even when they speak. Maybe even I appreciate and accept others just the way they are. And Angelica, I'm sure with all the work that you do with individuals, you have some good examples to add to this list as well. Sure. Um, let's add a couple more examples. Let's say my son has a new girlfriend. And I don't have a son. I know you do. So it's not my personal experience. <laughs> but let's say my son has a new girlfriend and I don't like her at all. In all our examples that we brought so far, the whole idea is that we may not have control of how 
others show up and what choices they make because the sun is making a certain choice here. But we have control over what choices we make when their actions and behaviors get on our nerves or push our buttons or bring up our fears. So when I don't like my son's girlfriend and I feel she's not a good influence on him or something like that, I might want to examine what's really underneath it for me. Am I perhaps worried that our relationship is changing because of her? And that's a legitimate grief. That is a different, difficult life change. But I then have a choice to remain open and get to know her better because I love my son and I value the relationship with him. So I might discover things about her I didn't know. I might even end up liking her. So the reframe would be, I stay open and curious as I get to know his girlfriend better. Or I might want to remind myself, I trust my son to learn his own lessons, to make his own choices. Or simply, I'm happy when my son is happy. Uh, besides, if I reject the person he loves, I only push him away. I might as well change my perspective and work on my judgments and fears instead of creating what I'm actually fearing, that I'm losing him. But that doesn't mean not acknowledging the grief. And there is a loss that we're experiencing, and we want to be gentle with ourselves around that as well. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point, and that being, I might as well work on my own judgments and fears. Because it's usually not that first place that we look to make changes. But what a difference it would make if it was the first place that we look for solutions to how we're feeling before we take actions. How about another one? Okay, my second example is I'm a planner and my partner isn't. And I, I know that planner part very well because I have that myself. But I often hear that complaint. My partner never wants to plan and I have to do all the planning. So opposites attract. So when one partner is more future-oriented, has more of the planner part, the other often lives more in the present. And that can be frustrating, I suppose, to both spouses or partners. However, there's a choice in the situation as well when I'm the planner and he or she isn't. We can appreciate how nice it is that our partner is able to live in the present, to live in the now. So the reframe could be, I appreciate that my partner reminds me to go with the flow and live more in the present moment. We can also remind ourselves that we don't have to plan. We choose to plan. <laughs> I don't have to plan. I choose to plan for both of us because I'm good at thinking ahead. I love to plan because it means that I get to do things I want to do. And perhaps I can even assume that my partner also appreciates my ability to plan. That is, if I stop complaining about having to do all the planning. <laughs> Good point. <clears throat> yeah. The whole idea here is that if you're stressed, then it's important to know that you have the power and the option to change how you let others affect you. I remember in one workshop I was teaching, there was a woman who was upset with her stretch marks, and she said she didn't like how her body looked. Well, another woman reacted to her vanity with visible anger and grief over her own inability to have a child, 
rather than just coming from a place of being compassionate and understanding about the first woman's feelings. Well, they both realized that they had their own buttons being pushed for different reasons. And with this reframing, the first person ended up embracing and appreciating her stretch marks as a sign of life and the gratitude that she had for her child. And the second woman realized that she could respect others and their own life experiences, accepting them for who they are without comparing them to her own set of circumstances. So each time we face a challenge in our life, this skill of reframing gives us the opportunity to reclaim that power, our vitality, and the freedom to live better. Yeah, you've said that perfectly, Debbie. So if our listeners want to get your book, and there's so much more in that book, obviously, than this little part of reframing that we talked about, but they can get it on Amazon, both Amazon.com and Amazon.ca or UK if you're over in Europe. And I'm actually an Amazon affiliate. So our listeners can just go to my website, which is greendoorrelaxation.net forward slash books and click on the Amazon link for Debbie DeWitt's book. Um, and it will bring up whatever country you live in the Amazon there. Now, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, what do they do? Well, they can get in touch with me at Debbie, and that's D-H-E-B-I at theheartandsoulacademy.com or through my website, www.theheartandsoulacademy.org. Great. And as always, um, you can find more information on my website. Debbie and I have recorded different free webinars on different topics from the book. You can also email me or give me a call. I offer free 15 to 20 minute long phone consultations to see if you want to work with me for a good match. Um, I believe you also offer free consultations, right, Debbie? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I can be reached through my email address, Debbie, at theheartandsoulacademy.com. That brings us to the end. So thank you so much for being on my podcast today, Debbie. I very much appreciate you and all that you do, your beautiful open heart and how you're changing this planet to, to a more conscious place through all your work. Thank you, Angelica. It's been a real pleasure. And I absolutely love working with you and co-creating with you as well. Wonderful. We will do it again. All right. Bye-bye. Until next time.